I'm going to make decisions based off my training and based off of our policies or our guidelines. And I'm going to do my best to work within the confines of those. If I see something that I know that I'm going to have to take a risk, that's a judgment call that I'm going to have to make when I get faced with it. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. I've noticed a lot of chatter on social media over the past months about the idea that fire departments aren't aggressive enough anymore. The next poster will comment that we're no longer in the Stone Age and we can't be so reckless anymore. Then someone will bring up Danny Dwyer, and things will get personal, and it'll go downhill from there. Now look, if my house is on fire, I want the firefighters who respond to save my wife if she's trapped. Period. If she's already out, save my stuff. Don't stand outside and call it offensive fire, or wait for more resources to arrive. I get all the reasoning. But today's guest says aggressive does not equal reckless. Dwayne Daggers is a captain with the city of Chesapeake, Virginia Fire Department, and he's a life member of the Goldsboro, Pennsylvania Volunteer Fire Company. He's been on the job for 35 years and an instructor for over 20 years. And Dwayne Daggers joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Do most firefighters know the difference between aggressive and reckless actions? We do. Unfortunately, there are times when there are some people that may know that something may be a little reckless, but make the decision to do it anyway, and that's where we can get into trouble. How do you define the difference? To me, being reckless is knowing that you're about to do something that could potentially make the situation worse but you choose to do it anyway, regardless of the training you may have, regardless of the situation that's presented in front of you. To me, when you make a, when you make a decision to take an action that you know is probably not correct, that's a reckless action. Aren't you limiting what people can do in terms of their own initiative if you say that? You're not really limiting what they can do as far as their initiative, because their initiative can be better suited by making the proper action. Good example, we get on the fire ground, somebody might see a fire coming out of a a window and rather than go out and hit the fire from the window, they may make the decision to walk around the back of the house and go through the back door thinking that they're doing something that's aggressive to put a stop on it. Um, So that's initiative, but if they did the right steps and they go to the window and hit it first, that's actually taking a better course of action. So we praise initiative, but initiative is only, is only a positive thing when we apply it in the right way. 
All right, now a lot of online chatter goes on about this, and it seems like everyone believes they're safe, even if they're reckless in in a way. How do we fix the attitude that says, I'm safe, I know my limitations, even though they are not necessarily safe? Part of it is a culture change, but really the biggest way we do that is with education. And, and training. We, we learned how to do tactics and strategy 25 years ago that's, that don't apply to how we fight fire today because we've learned that the things that we did back then don't make the situation better. In fact, they sometimes make the situation worse. So we have to be flexible and we have to keep ourselves educated to what the best practices are. We get tunnel vision sometimes and we can revert back to that training that we may have done 25 years ago and and that's where we need to have a positive impact now is we need to be able to change the culture of the fire service and what we're doing on the fire ground is that that benefits a lot of our senior folks but we've got a lot of young firefighters coming into the service and we want to start them off with the best practices not let them see bad practices and then have to retrain them danny dwyer had the fire service divided earlier this year. What he did was clearly aggressive, but then his department essentially called it reckless. Does that make it so? No. The department saying that something is reckless doesn't necessarily make it reckless. Again, SOPs you know, are procedures that we're supposed to follow. SOGs are the guidelines that they want us to abide by. Most of our SOPs and SOGs have some sort of a caveat in them when life safety is of a, of a factor, you know, we're allowed to make the best choice that we could possibly make. In that situation, from what I understood, while he did not go to that building with his crew, there was a crew inside already, and he went in knowing that there was a, a life to potentially save. For that instance, in my opinion, there was already a crew inside. He went in to assist another crew and make a save. I don't believe that that's reckless. Now, if if you're going in entirely by yourself and you've got nobody with you and there's nobody inside already, that's a bit reckless. But you're talking about knowing that there might be a life to save. And it could be as simple as you open that front door and the person is right there within arm's reach. It, it, there's so many factors that play into that. But just because uh, a department states that something might be reckless, I don't believe it necessarily is. Meanwhile, there was the Alabama incident where the fire department took some flack because a civilian ran past a firefighter who was suiting up and saved someone. Now, does that mean that that was too far on the safe end of the scale? I saw the video, and while I can't say that I would have done the same exact thing that the firefighter standing there would have, I, I want to preface it with we're seeing what, 30 seconds to 40 seconds of a, of a whole incident. So I don't know exactly what happened before or after, but certainly if a civilian can walk right past the firefighter and stick their arms in a window and pull somebody out, I'm thinking that a firefighter has to make that same values decision and be able to do the same thing. You know, I will tell you that you are not giving me the answers I expected. And it's kind of refreshing to hear that you're not just choosing one end of the scale or the other. And, and those, you know, being aggressive versus being reckless, 
it, it all comes down to decisions and training and every single situation that we encounter is completely different. And there are times that I'm going to make decisions based off my training and based off of our policies or our guidelines. And I'm going to do my best to work within the confines of those. If I see something that I know that I'm going to have to take a risk, then I, that's, a, that's a judgment call that I'm going to have to make when I get faced with it. The situation, if I'm standing outside of a window and I know there's somebody right inside that window and I can see them, am I going to stop to put my mask on and turn my air on and all that? Or am I just going to reach my arms in and grab somebody? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably going to do what's best for that person right there at the given time. That same situation, you come up to that window and you don't see anybody. You know, that means they're not in arm's reach. Good possibility. I'm going to definitely put all my gear on and go in the window and, and do a VEIS kind of maneuver and try to find the victim. It, it, it really is a judgment call. And I'm willing to accept whatever the department feels is necessary afterwards. You know, our job is to conserve property, but our, our main job is to save lives. So then I'll ask you a different way what I asked near the beginning. Okay. What, what is reckless? What is reckless? Reckless is doing something that you know goes against everything that you are trained or goes against the education that you have and you make that decision to do it anyway. Does the possible outcome play into that? Absolutely. So you're saying that even though this firefighter at the window would have, according to what he was trained, would have to put on his gear, if he saw somebody there and he were to grab her, he would be able to make that decision and not be called reckless because that was his judgment. Well, I I wouldn't say he wouldn't be called reckless. That's something you're going to have to be able to justify. So do I think that having all my gear on with the exception of my face piece and my SCBA, do I feel like sticking my arms in a window knowing that there's somebody right there and able to pull the person right out? Do I think it's reckless to not have my air turned on? Well, I, I don't think it's best practice. I don't, I don't consider that to be a reckless act. I'm by myself. It's not affecting anybody but myself. And the outcome could be much worse have I, have I not taken a chance to go get the civilian who I can obviously see given the video that we saw because the, the civilian came right up, grabbed the lady and pulled her right out of the building. Different scenario. We show up and we've got, we've got heavy smoke condition and we've got fire showing and we don't know if anybody's in the house or better yet, we are already told that the house is all clear. And we've got a crew that wants to start taking out all the windows before we can get water on the fire. That's, that's, that's not going to happen. We don't allow that because when you take all the windows out before you've got control of the fire, it's just going to make the fire worse. That's a reckless action. Everything's supposed to be controlled. Everything's supposed to be calculated to the best of our ability. It's still an active fire scene. Fire scenes, you know, fire isn't alive. It's a living, breathing thing. And we have to make that best decision with the training we have with the education we have, but knowing the outcome is the outcome of me grabbing somebody right inside of a window going to be dire for the whole scene. Chances are probably not is the the scene going to be dire. If we decide to take all the windows out before we have control of the fire or or until we've put water on the fire. Yeah. That outcome is going to be way different. So that, 
that's something that I wouldn't do. I don't know, does that help to sustain the difference? Yeah, it does. Let's take a short break from the interview so I can ask for your help. Don't worry, it won't cost you anything. You enjoy this show. I know you do because you're listening to it. So would you please do me a favor and tell someone about Code 3? Just tell one other person. Could be the probie in your house or the company officer. Whomever you think will get something out of the interviews I do. Or you can put it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Whatever you like, just spread the word. I'd be grateful if you did. And thank you for supporting the show that supports firefighters. So let me go back to something you said earlier. You talked about how things are different now than they used to be. Mm -hmm. How does having things different now affect what's considered aggressive versus reckless? Well, yeah, you're 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 correct. Um, a long time ago, I mean, we could take it back to before I was actually active in the fire service. Our firefighters went into working fires. They didn't even have SCBAs on. They just went in and fought the fire until they couldn't take it anymore. Our education advanced, and we we learned more about self-contained breathing apparatus. Our, our fire gear, we used to have long Nagatherm coats that were basically nothing more than rubber with a wool liner and three-quarter high boots. And that was, at the time, going in to put fires out with that, that was, that was the accepted practice because that's what we knew. And again, as technology changes, they introduced, you know, Nomex and, and full turnout gear, bunker pants, short coats. And, you know, it was a culture change to get some of our older firefighters to adapt to that new turnout gear. When I first got into the fire department, we, we used our air packs. We went in and once we had control of the fire, we came out and we took our air packs off to conserve the air and we did overhaul without an SCBA on. And that's obviously we don't do that anymore. So that was a culture change and an education change. But some of the things that we used to do we used to get off the truck and we would pull lines and we would take the, the windows out and we would go in and regardless if we had fire showing, we would go in and hit the fire. So we didn't push the fire or we didn't make the fire worse or we didn't want to throw water at it from outside because anybody inside, it might steam them, might burn them. And we found that those, those practices when water is applied correctly from the outside, it actually makes things much better and it makes things much more efficient for the for fighting the fire, but it also makes it better for anybody who might be inside. Can you give me one example of something that you saw personally where you watched somebody do something and thought, they think this is aggressive, but it's really just reckless? Yes. We had a fire where... When we got on the on arrival, they had heavy black smoke coming out of all of all of the the gable ends, the eaves, and we had fire showing out of a back window in the Charlie Delta corner. It looked like a kitchen window, so we knew we had an obvious working fire, and our our plan was to bring a two and a half around the back and cool that fire from through that window. Then we were going to, once we had control of the fire, we were going to go in the front door and contain it. And while we stretched the line around the back, another company came up and took all the windows out of the front of the house and forced the door open and let it fly open. And all that did was it allowed 
to get all that extra air into the house. And we had, we then had fire blowing out of every window in the first floor. Wow. That was something that we would have done a long time ago. That is obviously not what we do now. And it just took us a long time to control the fire at that point. Did you ever speak to anybody about that and ask them what the heck were you thinking? Yeah, we, we talked about it. We talked about it afterwards in the hot wash. And that was one of the things I, I asked. I said, when, when I did my 360, I gave the orders that this is what we're going to do. Why did you decide to take all the windows out when you went through the front door? The reply was, well, you told us that we had to go in and do a primary search. I said, yeah, I told you to go do a primary search and do fire control. I did not tell you to take all the windows out because as you saw, what just happened is we pulled the fire from the back all the way through the front of the house. So they got a little overzealous. They went back that they, that they know and they did what, what they're used to doing. So it was a time, it was a time for some, some education, a time for remembering the things that we did then aren't the things that we do now. And it, while we got control of the fire, you know, relatively quickly, it just, it made it a little untenable for those extra few minutes when it really didn't need to be. That was a great example. Dwayne Daggers, thanks for being with me on Code 3 today. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate the time. Dwayne will tell you, you don't have to be a cowboy to be aggressive on the fire ground. It's a matter of applying the latest information current tactics, and that old phrase, adding new tools to the toolbox. So what do you think? Do you think firefighters nowadays are too careful? I'd like to hear from you. Leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash reckless. There are links to more resources there as well. Or if you want to have your voice on the show, I'll put you there. Call me at 562-337-9902 and leave a voicemail with your opinion. 562-337-9902. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next Thursday with more. I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.